This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to the latest addition to the Compliance Podcast Network, Sustainability, the Business Opportunity of the 21st Century. We are at a moment of enormous global change and even greater business opportunity. Climate change is the single biggest commercial opportunity of our time, and this podcast sustainability guru Richard Blundell and myself explore the opportunities open to businesses which embrace sustainability from the business perspective. Find out why sustainability is the greatest business opportunity of the 21st century. Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox and Richard Blundell back for another episode and Richard, today we're going to start with a question. What is net zero? (laughs) <laughs> and see where it takes us. That's great. Okay, thanks, Tom. That's a good question. So net zero is basically, when you think about emissions, it's a fairly straightforward and very understandable science. We're just trapping more heat in the atmosphere because it doesn't. It's not allowed to escape. But net zero is the is the notion that we have got to avoid, reduce, and remove carbon so that we get to uh, zero where we to pre-1990 levels of carbon in the atmosphere and it's an enormous task estimates are somewhere in the range of 60 gigatons that needs to be removed or sorry that needs to be avoided mitigated and removed most of it is the first to avoided and reduced or mitigated uh, but we do know that we're going to need to continuously remove carbon from the atmosphere because there's so much of it in the atmosphere. So you've got what we're producing today that goes into the atmosphere that needs to be stopped completely. That's net. So no more, zero, zero, zero. And then what's already existing in the atmosphere, we have to actually take out, right? And there's ways, lots of ways to do that. But principally, there's there's mechanical methods. So you hear a lot about direct air capture, which is the notion of sucking the carbon using these big fans to draw carbon CO2 out of the atmosphere. And then they either liquefy it, in some cases could be reused, like in beverage industry and other industries. A lot of it is actually sunk into to the ground, into deep caverns in the earth where it stays forever, hopefully. And then the other, and then I think that's a, re- and there's hybrids of that. And, uh, and there's mineralization, so you can actually take that, the same gases, and you can mineralize them rather than put them into a liquid. But I think that's a long, that's a long journey technologically, and it's going to take some time. We're really at the very early stages of that. And what we need for that to deliver any kind of real impact, it needs to deliver it at scale. And it's not anywhere close to being uh, at scale. The other opportunity, of course, which is the one that is for me the most promising is using nature. Nature is a natural carbon sink, has been in that, it acts as a natural carbon sink. And the only problem, what we've done, of course, with nature is we, it's a very, it's a very complex and very sensitive feedback, s- series of feedback loops, if you like, to actually sequester carbon in the oceans, in the soil, in our biomass. And all, what we've done is we've, added this this production of CO2, which of course has taken that feedback loop completely, has distorted that feedback loop to a point where 
nature now is overloaded and is unable to actually sink any more carbon. And so we have to find ways, partly because we've destroyed a lot of nature, or we continue to destroy a lot of nature, we have to find ways to actually regenerate ecosystems, natural ecosystems, and allow them to do their job, which is to sink or to, re- or to sequester carbon. Does that answer your question? Yes. So the thing that really strikes me, Richard, is something we touched on in a prior podcast, which was process. But when I look at ESG in totality, I see business process. And when I look at the E, I see an opportunity for a business process, one, to use the data to determine what your footprint is, and then two, monitor and remediate or improve the footprint. But equally important is a monetary savings and business efficiency. So I was wondering if you see that as well as an opportunity for those components? And if so, how would a company think through some of the basic questions of perhaps money saving or increased business efficiency by using some of the tools that the environmental advocates or environmentalists advocate we use around sustainability? Yeah, I know it's a great question, Tom. The environmental piece is the one that I'm closest to. And the reality is that the environment or nature is our greatest resource. And we have to be very careful how we use that resource because there's parts of it that are not renewable, right? Mining, for instance, is a non-renewable resource. So if we go and mine all the lithium that there is in the world to actually make batteries for electric cars, that doesn't seem like a very good solution. So one has to think beyond what is available I guess is the right word for for use. And I think the I'm going to use an example because it's the best way to explain this. I think the most sustainable company on the planet is a company called Interface, which makes industrial carpet tiles based in this, I think, somewhere in the southern United States, in the Carolinas, if I'm not, or Georgia, maybe it is. I think it's Georgia. And so Ray Anderson, who was the founder and CEO of that company, He was asked by a very large customer what they were doing about sustainability. And I don't even think he knew what the term meant. And he went back and he actually researched the business, his company and the inputs that they were using and the processes that they were using to transform those inputs into carpet tiles. And he realized that he was one of the big polluters, like he had a really polluting in really polluting business and it was using it was heavily premised on hydrocarbon inputs and uh, and he was creating huge amounts of pollution from an air and water standpoint anyway he he went back and he drafted a plan to reimagine their company and their business altogether and he stepped up at a podium and he told the employees that they were going to go on this journey to reach what he called the top of mount sustainability It was a six-step process. At the top, it was to really reimagine commerce. And I think they, I was listening to some interviews the other day. They all, people in the audience all looked at each other and said, what, is he been drinking this morning? Or what's happened with Ray? He's crazy. There's no way we can do this. And he mobilized a billion-dollar company, and I don't remember, I think 5,000 employees, to actually completely rethink the industry that they were in. And that went They looked at everything, all the processes that they had, all of the inputs that they were using, and they have created, so they hit 
net zero in 2020, I think a long time ago, 20 years ago, like they've really moved the dial and did it very quickly. Because once you mobilize the creativity of an organization and once you create, and he will tell you, or he would have told you, he's no longer with us, that once you deliver a vision that, that, that is so breathtaking that it inspires all of the creativity in the organization, that's when you get the extra mile from people. And that's where they get so inspired to think outside of the box. They're now, they've now gone from, they're, I think, again, way ahead of everybody. And they've created a roadmap, which anyone can use to follow. And they've created documents about the lessons that they've learned. But they use, they are now mimicking nature. So I'll give you an example. The glue that puts that they used to use for those carpet tiles, which is a very toxic hydrocarbon-based product, has been completely replaced by a, a synthetic that they were inspired from the, the feet or the pads of a gecko. The same substance that allows the gecko to suspend itself on a wall, they've actually been able to re-engineer that and use that. And no toxic chemicals, it's mimicking nature, uh, you can actually take the tiles up now and move them, which you couldn't before. And they're now, they now have got a new strategy, which is called a, a climate fit for life. So they call it climate, their climate take back program. And it's got four elements to it. And, uh, and I think, so it starts with really kind of living net zero, making sure that there's no negative impacts on the environment. They've created a company and products that love carbon. So they're actually using carbon as a resource. Some of the products that they make now not only use carbon as an input, but they actually sequester carbon. And they've created something, their factories, they've got a project now, and I'm probably gonna get this wrong, uh, but it's something about creating an ecosystem much like you would with a forest. And so that the factories act like an ecosystem to use carbon and to sequester it. And then the third leg is to let nature cool. So it's actually making sure that we're regenerating the climate. And then it's lastly to lead this industrial revolution, which they've done for a long time. The net of this, and the reason I bring this up, is that they have found that they have reduced their cost substantially, become more competitive, better positioned. They have better, they have the what would he say? The goodwill of the industry, the goodwill of his customers is at all time high. And the other thing is that it's not just about saving money and, gener and, and delivering efficiency, which he's proven over and over again. It's also about creating an organization where people actually want to come to work every day because they're so inspired to make a difference, right? And so if you are going to succeed in the future, you have got to create an environment, a place where people want to go to work, where they really, they actually see what they're doing to make a difference. And I think if you're going to attract the best, going back to what I said earlier in our last podcast about this transfer of wealth, and that now we've got the millennial and Gen Z being the largest part of our workforce globally. Those people, if you look at, if you listen to what they're interested in, they don't want to work for companies where the, those companies are either sac sacrificing 
the outcomes in societal outcomes or environmental outcomes for profit. They want to work at places where leaders are inspiring, where businesses are delivering positive societal and environmental outcomes, and where companies are making good economic profits, right? And you can do all of that, and it's proven that you can do that. Let me pick up on that last point, because I talk to a lot of business executives and people in talent management, and they have one theme, which is in five to 10 years, the biggest differentiator in corporations will be talent acquisition and talent retention. Because of the sophistication of literally any product or service company, whether it be data analytics or the, I don't want to say complexity, but the interplay between government, business, NGO, international, et cetera. And that having that philosophy of sustainability drives millennials and Gen Zs to a much greater degree than perhaps we as baby boomers were driven. Yeah. And that ESG and sustainability should be seen in a much broader context. And that includes talent acquisition and retention. And if I could even turn to the 2018 Business Roundtable delivered or announced a statement on the purpose of a corporation, which they articulated five sets of stakeholders, including shareholders, including employees, including customers, and including third parties that you do business with. Your thoughts on sustainability really touched on all of those because it's not, it is Certainly, profitability, that's shareholders, but it's also employees. It's also the localities where you do business. You specifically talked about customers as well. And then, of course, those you're doing business with because they're part of the solution as well. So we see this interplay and this sort of evolution of utilizing sustainability in a much broader series of ways and once again, with an incredibly long-winded introduction to a question I wanted to ask you, you speak on this topic quite a bit. And for instance, you've spoken at Stanford on this and to, to business executives. When you talk about sustainability in a much broader context, do they understand the potential benefits for their organization as well? Yeah, I think, again, Tom, very well said. And so what the short answer is yes, they do. But what you've talked about, is you've talked about purpose. What you, your lead into this question was really putting the boundaries around what we would call purpose, right? And so that it all starts with purpose. So sustainability starts with purpose. It is about values. It is about beliefs. It is about your contribution to society as a whole. So if you like, I'm gonna. I'm going to read you a quote from Larry Fink, who is the CEO of BlackRock, one of, I think it's the largest single asset manager on the planet. I don't remember because it keeps changing. It's in the trillions. But he would tell you that without a sense of purpose, no company, either private or public, can achieve its full potential. It will ultimately lose the license to operate from key stakeholders. So purpose is really the fundamental reason for being. It's where all the value is created for different stakeholders. So if you don't have purpose at the core of your business, you're not going to be able to 
create a vision that is inspirational for people to put their weight behind and actually want to wake up in the morning and come to work and deliver great outcomes. When I worked for Sergio Marchionne, who I think was one of the greatest CEOs ever, he was the only CEO to turn around two global business at the same time. One of the things that he used to say is you want to leave the house, the business in better order at the end of the day than when you got there in the morning. So that was our, so our days were filled with how are we going to actually make this place a better place? How are we going to make this a better place by the time I leave at the end of the day? And so the outcomes that you need to produce are not just economic outcomes. They're super important, as you've mentioned. But if you can deliver enhanced environmental, social, and environmental outcomes, then you are truly sustainable. And the, all of the data shows from all of the research that's been done around financial performance, whether on public markets or otherwise, those that have purpose at the core of their business strategy, those who have created businesses that are delivering improved societal outcomes in the communities that they serve and in the communities where they operate, as well as demonstrate enhanced sort of environmental stewardship are the winners, have been the winners for the last de two decades and will continue to be the winners. And so there is, I think that CEOs, and it's very interesting because a lot of the research that's now being done shows in, in, in really the last less than decade, a decade, has showed that CEOs really understand that sustainability or ESG has to be a core fundamental strategic tenant to their companies to not only deliver the outcomes that we've talked about, but also to make sure that they hire and retain and grow the best and the brightest. The same holds true for customers and the same holds true for suppliers. Richard, that would seem like a great place to end this episode. I look forward to continuing this conversation. Likewise, me too, Tom. This is Tom Fox. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Sustainability, the business opportunity of the 21st century. I've linked to information on Richard's contact information in the show notes. So if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to him directly. Also, if you've enjoyed this podcast, I hope you'll subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever great podcasts are listened to. Sustainability, the business opportunity of the 21st century, is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.